You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Another day of training camp in the books. I've had so much fun being there the last few days, and this is now the second day that I'm going to talk shop with Rohan. Love having him on. There's a lot to talk about. The quarterback competition competition however you want to put that uh there the defense is looking incredible there were some injuries too and we got to talk about those so we're going to talk about all those things plus more next All right, welcome back to Last Second Sports, where we are giving you our take down to the last second. And as I said, it is a post-training camp reaction, full context with my guy, Rohan. Rohan, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, man. I mean, day two of us streaming back at it. I know Jesse said he's had a great time. Well, I have not. I've had to stand next to him for three, four hours at, uh, you know, Every single day, at least I got to tell a young fan, you know, a, a nice fan came up to Jesse. He's like, hey, I know you. I told him, you know, the, the truth that Jesse is just not a great person. So uh, unfortunately, sure. the fan didn't listen. He kept talking to Jesse, but nah, enough with the jokes. It's been a fun time and uh, great to be back. That was dude. That was so funny. He was like, hey, man, I know you. you uh, you're on with Grant. And you're like, he's a really bad person. Just straight face, deadpan. And he's like. Oh, okay. Anyways, man. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, man. All right. Well, a couple a couple notes here that I, I want to talk about because I didn't have it in my actual immediate instant reaction is there were some injuries that happened today for the first time. And we, we certainly got to talk about those. So the first one happened before really anything got started. Right. I see Isaiah Winstead off to the side of the linebackers getting his ankle worked on sitting on like a Gatorade uh, Gatorade setup, And then trying to walk around, try to walk it off was in clear pain. Couldn't do what he wanted to do. Punched the fence. He was pretty pissed off about it. I'm sure 
And I don't know what the updates are. If anybody's watched the press conferences, maybe they've seen them. But as far as I know, it looked like an ankle sprain of some sort kept him out of practice today. That was injury number one. And then injury number two was Jalen Moore, which happened in the middle of 11 on 11s. Didn't exactly see how it happened. Maybe you did, Rohan. I, I didn't catch it, but his he did go down holding his left knee. They did some tests on it, and he was able to get up with some help and walk off under his own power, but he did so very gingerly and did not return from what I saw. So those are the two injuries that we we do have to get out of the way. And did you see how it happened at all with Moore? Did you catch it or no? No, I wasn't able to get enough of a clear picture. It was a passing play, and so we were looking downfield. You look back, and there's a player down. Initially thought it was Cleveland Farrell, cleared to be Jalen Moore. Seemed like his ankle probably or something lower leg got rolled up on because that was the ginger part. And it's unfortunate because the 49ers don't really have much left tackle, tackle depth. I mean, we're going to get into the tackles um, soon. Um, you know, it's it's a more in a minute type of section on the tackles, but uh, you know, not too not not a great sign for a guy who, yeah, while you know he hasn't been necessarily great, is probably the favorite right now to be the backup tackle behind uh McKivitz and behind Trent Williams. So, not a great sign, unfortunate there. Hopefully, he's not you know out for too long. Yeah, most definitely, they're gonna need him back. And if not, I'm curious to see who they can go out and bring in. So, but you know, I mean, there's some guys out there that might get more run that are behind more. The thing about more, what's really interesting to me, Rohan, is that he was drafted to be a guard. They talked about that in the press conference after they drafted him. Oh yeah, no, we see him as a guard. He's never played guard ever. He's always been, I mean, early on, it was like they were mixing him in, you know, guard tackle, whatever. But basically every time he's been on the field, you've seen him as a tackle. So it is interesting that they drafted him to be a guard, but they've continually played him to be a tackle. And, you know, the the issue there is now he's hurt. So who's behind him? What does that look like? I don't know. That'll be interesting. And, I mean, the issue is, right, you're right. It's He's only played at tackle when he was supposed to play guard. The big, really, breakthrough that he had was last OTAs. He reportedly played with the first-team offensive line at guard, at right guard that wasn't look good. However, McGlinchey coming back from injury, Trent Williams doing his regular Trent Williams rest. What does that mean? You need more players to play tackle. So they slide Spencer Burford in to play right guard with the first team and kick out Jalen Moore, who alongside McKivitz played tackle last year. Uh, you know, they were the uh, the backup tackles essentially because they filled in with the first team when those two tackles were not there. And so when you when you see that, I mean, he just didn't play well that year and after that, he's behind the eight ball because he was playing a tackle instead of guard. Same thing this year. Uh, yeah, Mr. Blue Magic, you're right. I'm I'm late. I happen to be in Grant's house, and I'm late, and I blame it on the house. The story is, why he's late is very funny, no, too. No, we're not going to talk about it. I'm blaming it on Grant's <laughs> house. That's the only context you get. And it's it's like a tweet. Uh, a quarterback was five of seven today. It was a good day, but you get zero context. All right. John, John B says, so what I'm hearing is Purdy is hitting only mainly short throws and checkdowns. past that he's thrown two picks before today and had two more picks dropped in camp today, along with multiple sacks. This is interesting. I do want to say this. It, it's really funny before we get to the quarterbacks, because we do have another topic, but I, I will throw this out right now. And I find this interesting. 
Actually, you know what? I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for the quarterbacks. There's a cliffhanger. I got something. All right, let's do it. This. All right. Who stood out in practice that was not a quarterback? I have a couple. And so we'll do the same thing. We'll go 1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Um, I'll go with one that I personally got to watch a little more because I was with the OLDL one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. This guy, Taco Charlton, bro. He comes straight from free agency. He comes straight from the streets and he dominates, man. And I mean, I got I got I got the courtesy of watching one-on-ones today. And so I charted all the one-on-ones. Taco Charlton, um, he beat Ill Manning on a rep where he was just he just dominated that rep and then came back and beat Jalen Moore on another rep. So worked exclusively as a defensive end. He's more of a leaner defensive end, a taller, leaner defensive end, worked exclusively there, but won both of his one-on-one reps. Fast forward to um, you know, eleven on elevens, and he got one of the lone early the offense had a good stretch early on, but he got one of the lone early plays that was really a standout play for the defense. Um, he beat uh, he beat Joey Fisher, worked on the inside. You know, um, this was a re- uh, a rush from the inside. Beat Joey Fisher very easily for a sack on Brandon Allen. That sack happened within two and a half seconds. It was it was very quick. So a good day for Taco Charlton on day one. And the reason that we bring it up, not, you know, he's playing against the second and third teamers. But we want to see which of these defensive ends can really stand out because in my opinion, there are three sol- or two solid defensive ends on this team and a bunch of uh, uh, unknown commodities. Drake Jackson's still an unknown commodity, but I'm placing him in that locks group alongside Nick Bosa. Apart from that, I have no clue who exactly sh- will rank out on this depth chart because you've seen a mix of um, Kerry Hyder, Austin Bryant, Cleveland Farrell, and now Taco Charlton, who've had their moments, but have also, you know, um, seen inconsistencies or injuries or something like that stand out number one though for me taco Charlton. <laughs> this is actually a great comment and so true it was taco tuesday <laughs> oh that's why he played well no wonder that is why he played well so i've got to see more from taco charlton i disagree with you no i'm just kidding yeah taco charlton was an absolute beast that's a great call out by you uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna cheat maybe you know what? I'll just take one of them because you might go with the other one. I don't want to cheat, but I See, called. That's why I gave you both. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I I uh, I called yesterday for tight ends and running backs to do something. Just show me anything, please. Anybody not named Kittle and not named CMC. The tight ends did not do that, unfortunately, but the running backs did. And the one that really, to me, I thought just ran extremely hard. And this is what I liked most about it was these linebackers are tackling in practice a lot of the time. They're they're basically trying to big brother the offensive players for whatever reason, set a tone. You're not supposed to tackle. You're just supposed to kind of wrap up, hit, pop the pads, let go. But the linebackers are out there to set a tone every day. Not with this running back, not today. Mason not only ran with explosiveness, didn't fumble the ball, which is great. That's one thing that has been happening. But he was finishing his runs with violence. He was not going to be tackled today. He was the one that was asserting himself as the dominant player against those linebackers. And anytime they tried to, like, once the play was kind of over, they'd try to rip the ball from him, he'd rip it away and continue to run upfield and finish whatever he wanted to do. I loved seeing that from mason so great day from mason and it was good to see because he's had some rough days with these fumbles for sure 
I like the call out for Jordan Mason. I mean, when we're talking about who uh, to point out right yesterday, we said it. We wanted running backs and tight ends. Those were the mm-hmm. two position groups where, like, can we see a little bit of the pick up the pace? Because those are two position groups where you're going to see a competition for the backup spots. Today, not much Elijah Mitchell. Christian McCaffrey was in there, but not much Elijah Mitchell. What does that mean? Jordan Mason and Tyree and Davis Price both got a good amount of reps today. Mason looked phenomenal. I mean, no fumbles. And this is good because when you have a lot of carries where you're running as hard as Mason did, and it's clear he he had a, he was on a mission today. He was running hard, good ball security. That's what you want from him because it's, you know, Mason of the Mason of camp with fumbles is essentially Mason of last year. It's just you have a fumble every here and there, and you can't really afford that. But the true Jordan Mason, the one that has good ball security, was the one on, on display today. And of the few one-on-one reps that I saw with Jordan Mason involved, it reiterated what I saw last camp and reported early on. He's a solid route runner. That is something that I noticed, and it's it works well with his change of direction. He's got good change of direction skills, but he's also a solid pass catcher. And it's important to note because I thought this I saw this last training camp, but he got very limited reps working exclusively with the third team and barely with the second team at the end of camp. But it was something reported by the Athletics' Matt Barrows in OTAs this year, and then something I'm seeing again this year. One, I wonder, especially with the 49ers probably looking to some for someone to take some of those Christian McCaffrey duties when McCaffrey's off the field and be able to catch some passes. I wonder if Mason can, you know, win that role in a way and get on the field in that sense. Good start in that regard. But the other running back that I mentioned, the guy who also split a good amount of reps today, TDP. TDP shined on day one, was my clear winner of day one. Just he looked way different than last year and quieted down a little bit. You know, it's not that the reps weren't there or things like that. It's not like he played poorly. It's just he didn't stand out. Today, though, was different. Like Mason, he was on a mission. He ran hard. He hit the holes, had good vision on a couple of runs um, with some cutback lanes. And he also, you know, he, he just had a good day, a good hard day of running. And this is exactly what I wanted to come out during pads. Without pads, it's tough to see who runs as hard, who's as physical, who can really deal with it. With pads, you get you don't get the sense fully, but you get the sense a little more. And TDP passed the eye test today. Absolutely. I'm going to keep this comment up because there's some... I'm going to star it. I'll take it down and I'll bring it back up when we get to the quarterbacks. There's a reason that you're hearing some quote-unquote inconsistencies. And I don't know exactly what was said because I haven't been able to watch. I don't... Again, before these shows, I don't watch anybody else's content. I don't go see what they're tweeting because I want to come with my opinion. But I did see a comment on my YouTube video that that talked about maybe what Grant had said. And so I'm going to give context as to why you're going to hear some discrepancies there. So stay tuned for that. But the last one for me that stood out was Jalen Graham. So remember, Jalen Graham, seventh round pick. And it, it's rough, right? Because today was a day that Winstead went down and Jalen Graham was healthy and looked good, very good. So when they do these one-on-one periods, keep in mind, it's literally one-on-one. Receivers can do whatever else they want to do. A lot of times they're doing double moves. It's really, really, really hard for the defensive player to win those reps. It's just hard to do. The advantage is always on the receiver or the running backs, tight ends, whoever is running these routes. And today, CMC was cooking 
everybody. I mean, it was not even close. He's getting open by two, three yards at a time. Not when Jalen Graham was on him for the one rep. Jalen Graham was right in his hip, could not have better coverage, put his hand out in front of the ball uh, to try to tip it away as the ball was coming in. CMC caught the ball, but that's because CMC is just incredible. I mean, what can you say about CMC? that the, There's nothing I can tell you about CMC that you don't already know. He's absolutely phenomenal. He was able to bring the ball in, but Jalen Graham was in sick coverage. And then... Same thing when he went against Juszczyk. Juszczyk gets open repeatedly. Very good route runner. His hands are super, super underrated. And Jalen Graham gave him no breathing room. In fact, the ball had to be thrown where only Juszczyk could get it. And he had to dive to try to do so. And Jalen Graham wasn't having any of it. The coverage was phenomenal. And it was a deep route as well. It was not a short route. Gave him a little inside move and then went up the left side of the field, and Jalen Graham was right there, stride for stride. That was really, really good to see. So, you know, Jalen Graham is likely not going to be your third linebacker to start, but the 49ers, year in and year out, find guys like a Jalen Graham that they turn into superstars eventually. So I'm curious to just watch him over these last couple days that I have before I head home and just see if those types of things continue and what he can do in games during the preseason and if he gets any opportunities. I'm, I'm excited about him. You see, you guys, this is the importance of having multiple eyes there and just the value of it. Jesse focused today a little more on the skill position players one-on-ones where he was able to identify Jalen Graham. He would not have been on my standouts list just purely because I didn't watch one-on-ones as much except for a few reps. I focused on offensive line, defensive line. And so that's where my final two, well, one and a half standouts come from. The first one is an obvious one, but I feel like his name hasn't been mentioned that much just because he's so limited. And that's Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave to me was, he was dominant today and he had his way both in one-on-ones and 11-on-11s. I had my funniest comment written down and I showed um, the group what Javon Hargrave absolutely killed. I just feel bad because it's, it's first team against second team. He, he killed Corey Luciano in a rep just, he, he he essentially did a pancake to an offensive lineman. It was it was too easy for Javon Hargrave. His speed and strength is too much for him. I wrote murder on uh in, in my notes <laughs> on that play. But I mean, it, it, what can you do? It's Javon Hargrave. But it, that wasn't the only play in one on ones. Um, got a sack again. You know, he's been a guy who's low key underrated uh, in getting those sacks. He got one, I believe, yesterday too. Got a sack today, um, working against Spencer Burford on the inside. A good rep for Javon Hargrave and just a good day. He's playing very limitedly overall because the 49ers want to get their backup defensive tackles on the field with the first team. So you'll see guys like Alex Barrett, Kevin Givens, Javon Kinlaw get rotated into that first team. But when he does play, Javon Hargrave proves why the 49ers paid $84 million to acquire him he was my guy do you have any uh, other standouts on your list well i mean i just want to i don't have another standout but i do want to call this out because it Shout probably out. won't be talked about otherwise just because people want to know hey the 49ers spent a lot of money on this guy is he doing anything on the field yes Javon hargrave had himself a sack today on purdy and he was moving the pocket pretty 
pretty easy up the middle today. So I just wanted to shout that out. What's your last standout? It's not necessarily a standout, but I, I do have an observation, and I thought there was both good and bad from this player. And it's a player who I mentioned yesterday, Colton McKivitz. Once again, Colton McKivitz looked good in one-on-ones. And that's interesting because, to me, Colton McKivitz has been a story of two tales when I see him in individual and team drills. In one-on-ones, he's been dominant. Had two reps today that I charted, um, won both of those reps, I believe. Yeah, beat Drake Jackson on one, beat Clee Lavero on another. Both guys who were the top you know, defensive ends on the team today. So he beat both of the top defensive teams in separate reps today. However, in 11-on-11s, he did give up a big pressure to Drake Jackson that forced Brock Purdy to step up in the pocket where he was eventually sacked, I believe, on on a similar play where an interior lineman was able to get him. And that was not on a blitz play. There were a couple of blitzes that led to sacks. That was just a regular play. And so to me, how I I see it is, overall, um, Colton McKivitz, He has shown promise that he can be a solid pass protector. However, I want to see more consistency in 11-on-11s because it's the second day in a row where he's given up a pressure or a sack that's led to a – or a pressure that's led to a sack, something like that. And so that's something that I want to see. I'm not going to say he played bad. I can't say he played good, but I do want to point out the contributions he made because that's a very crucial player for the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. Good call out right there. Let's get into the super chat and then we'll get into the quarterback. So Joey Mellon says, tell Grant, I said, what up? He's not here right now, but when he gets home, I will. I'll say Joey Mellons <laughs> says, what up? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Let me switch over to the quarterback banner here. All right. So we have two comments here and I love these because these are going to help us provide context as we navigate throughout this conversation. So I find this interesting. I've been the quote unquote Lance guy for two years. I make one video just telling you how I saw today about Brock Purdy and people are all over the comments like, oh, "Oh, you're a Purdy guy. You're this You're." I'm like, whoa, either you've never seen my content. I don't don't know what to tell you, but I just wanted to say I, I thought it was funny. Um, I don't really care. I'm going to tell you guys what I saw regardless. I just thought it was funny. But I want to, the reason it's coming at me that direction is because I, people were saying that Grant said that there was two near interceptions. And so I wanted to clear this up because the way that it is reported by the people on the field versus the way that Rohan and myself have chosen to do this is very different. And so the context, changes and there are things that matter here so when there's a sack or a penalty i just don't count it i just say hey it was a sack if there's a penalty i just don't talk about it it didn't happen basically so today i saw brock purdy get sacked four times in those four sacks he completed three passes actually the best pass quote-unquote pass he had today was after a sack i thought in the back corner of the end zone but it doesn't count because he was sacked. Also, he threw the ball directly in a player's chest after he got sacked. And I I looked at Rohan, I was like, damn, that was like the pick eight plague, like joking, right? But I didn't count it because he was sacked. So if it was a sack, then the near interception didn't happen either. So that's the reason. But when you look at it, I know 
Jack does it this way. I believe Lombardi does. I don't know what Lombardi does, actually. I I don't know what he does. But I know that Jack does it this way. I know that Grant does it this way. I know a lot of people do it this way where they will literally count every single throw before and after a sack, doesn't matter. And then they will tell you that they were sacked also. they will So they will tell you both, essentially. Hey, the p- pass was complete or incomplete. Here's what happened, or it was a near interception, or it was intercepted, but it was also a sack. So they will give you both, which is different than what I do and what it looks like Rohan does. So that is the context that you're going to get. Yes, today he did have two near picks. That is factual. One was thrown directly in the chest of a defender. The other one was by Diomedor Lenore, but on that play, at least from my angle, I thought I saw a penalty flag thrown. They called holding, I believe, on the defense. I don't even know if it was holding on Lenore. I thought Lenore was in good position. I thought that he won that position fairly, but they called holding, so I didn't count the play. However, if you are counting every pass play, completions, incomplete, whatever, then yes, there were two near picks. So it's all in how you chart things. So that's why you're going to see a discrepancy. Based off of what I saw today, I thought Brock Purdy had his best day by far. I don't think it was an A day. I'm not going crazy and saying, oh man, he blew up and was incredible. Like if I'm comparing Brock Purdy's day today to Trey Lance's day yesterday, Trey Lance wins hands down and it's not particularly close. But if I'm comparing today, I do think Purdy had the best day of of all the quarterbacks. I gave him a B plus. He was six of seven on the throws that I charted that weren't sacks or penalties. He had one TD in the red zone period. And the reason that I'm not going to give him an A off of that is because he also took four sacks and those things matter. Regardless of, of what's going on around him, Yesterday, he took a few sacks. Today, he took four sacks. I'm not going to hold it against him and be like, oh, he can't be a good quarterback and he'll never work through it. I don't know. But today, I can't give somebody an A that is taking sacks because if you're taking sacks at some point, that's going to kill drives and that can be an issue. So for me, I had Purdy at a solid B+. I thought he was the best quarterback and that's the way that I saw it. Rohan, how did you see it? That's interesting because you're a little more bullish. I, I have him right now at a, in the middle between a B and a B plus, but it's a very mm-hmm. similar diagnosis. For those of you guys looking at context and trying to compare, because I know a lot of people were trying to I – didn't, I didn't see your video yet, but I know a lot of people were trying to flood my comments saying, oh, you said this about Purdy. You said this about Lance. I don't care who, who wins the competition. I don't. I just, I'm just looking, I'm just charting who's the better quarterback on that day, who will end up being the better quarterback in camp overall when camp is over. I don't care about that stuff. Instead, what I'm looking at is how did Purdy play today? And Jesse's right. The way that I've been charting, starting from last year, going on to this year, if a play ends in a sack and then a quarterback throws the ball after the play, I personally don't count it because in the true, in a true NFL landscape, once a sack is Once a sack happens, the play is dead. So that's the way that I chart things. Although I do ensure that I write down the context of the play after the sack to give myself a full representation of what that play is. And I try and share it with you guys so you guys have a good understanding of, even though he was sacked, what happened on that play. However, in my stats, in my grades, I don't count that play as a completion, incompletion, good play, bad play, that type of thing. It's, an, it's essentially a not applicable. 
Now, as for Purdy's performance today, he was six of seven. Some people might have him up to 11 throws because he did take four sacks on the day, and I didn't count any of those four throws as sacks. Let's start with the bad. His lone incompletion of the day, I believe, was to Brandon Ayuk, and this one wasn't too bad. I mean, it was great protection from the offensive line, had plenty of time. It was in the red zone. Purdy rolls out, tries to hit Ayuk on, in the corner, had a very similar play for a touchdown yesterday, or I believe yesterday, had a similar play for a touchdown yesterday or, or uh, a few days ago, but this time he airs it out too wide for uh, uh, for Brandon Ayuk. It's a tough throw to make given that he's trying to pinpoint at the back of the end zone, but still it's an off-target throw. Some of the other poor plays, the play that Jesse mentioned, where Purdy essentially threw an out route to George Kittle, Diamato Lenore was all over it. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And nearly intercepted that pass. The play was called a holding penalty, and it... The, the referee pointed to Diamondo Lenore, which David Lombardi did. I know some of y'all might not like that name, but David Lombardi did confirm on his own Twitter account that I saw in the timeline that it was a holding penalty against Lenore. That is something that I saw there. And personally, I can't confirm whether the holding penalty, when the holding penalty came, but it felt as if it came when Kittle was coming out of his break because he had a slight lead coming out of his break and then Lenore bridged the gap there. Maybe it wasn't holding from, but from what I, from what my angle was, that was how the play went. Again, it's it was it the best throw? No, because it was it took you know it took a while a little while to get there. It wasn't on a zip or something like that, but it was a play that was ruled dead due to the holding penalty on Diablo Lenore. As for the other plays, a lot of people talked about Purdy, you know, dumping off passes here in the chat and things like that. 
I charted Purdy as having three passes over 10 yards, uh, 10 air yards. The first play that Purdy had, um, the first throw Purdy had was a 10 to 15 yard play to Brandon Ayuk. Amory Thomas was in coverage. It was fairly open. It's not necessarily wide open, but it was fairly open um, and uh, got that for a first down. His second throw was a play action crosser to Debo Samuel, got 20 yards on the play. Amory Thomas, unfortunately, once again, was in coverage. Solid throw. Um, it was to the sideline. Good, uh, good timing on the play, but a, a nice throw from Purdy and a fairly good uh, uh, catch from Debo Samuel there. Had a screen pass, had the incompletion we just mentioned. So he ended the first, you know, the first period three for three. In the second period, um, his first real throw was a dump off to TDP in the red zone. This was red zone play because he got sacked on his opportunities prior to that. Dump off to PD, a TDP in the red zone, a check down. Um, then he threw the incompletion that I just mentioned to Brandon Ayuk and then fired a touchdown pass to Debo Samuel for about eight yards over the middle in the red zone period. So he there ends six of seven. Couple of good throws in there, you know, um, two good throws, one 10 yards, one 20 yards, and then the Debo Samuel one was about eight yards. So it's a variety of plays. Was it an A day for Brock Purdy? No, because I did believe he took two sacks on the day, or I, I thought he took a, uh, at least one. The second one is iffy. You can question whether it's his fault or whether it's the offensive line fault. Two of them I did blame on the offensive line, but because of that compartment, uh, as well as some of the poor decisions that he made, um, you know, um, even on some of those throws and due to the, you know, the day not being necessarily a perfect day with the length of the throws and things like that, Purdy is going to earn a B to a B plus in my book today. Absolutely. And I want to bring up this next comment as we get to Trey Lance, because I find a lot of things funny here and I'm, I'm going to talk about it after I talk about Lance. So Lance today, I had four of six with a sack. He had the best throw of the day by far. Correct. It was a sideline play on the right side. Come back by Brandon Ayuk, covered by Ambry Thomas. Believe it or not, Ambry Thomas was actually in good coverage on this one. And Trey Lance, this was this is a throw that I believe that only he could make on this roster. I, I really believe that because it took arm strength on arm strength to make this play happen. So it's cross-field throw. What was it? Uh, I think I had it at around 20 yards or so. To Brandon Ayuk, I yep. had the play. Hold on, let me see. At- I've got it. I had the play at 20. 15 yeah. yards. Yep, 15 yeah, yards. So 15-yard comeback outside of the numbers, right on the sideline, cross field, and it was good coverage. Trey Lance put it only where Brandon Ayuk could do it, and it was like as soon as he came out of his break, the ball was in his helmet. It was right there waiting for him, got his hands up. I thought it was a hell of a grab also because that is not an easy catch to make when you turn around and the ball's waiting for you. You got to be quick with it. and you know, good throw by Lance. So he had the best throw of the day. He was four of six overall. He did take a sack. He did have two throws that certainly he would want back. The first one, it was similar actually to the, to the Debo one a couple days ago. I'm noticing when he's rolling, when he's on the move and he's got somebody coming across, he is missing these throws. He missed the one to Debo the other day and he missed today to Kittle. Today's miss to Kittle wasn't as bad, but it definitely was a miss and it should have been a completion. And then he had one to Dwelly in the red zone period where same thing, Dwelly was uh, an out pattern and it was about eight yards or so. 
Trey Lance was in the pocket, so he was not mobile. He put this one on Dwelly, but if Dwelly's going this way, he put it on this shoulder, and it should have been on this shoulder. So Dwelly had to kind of like turn and adjust to catch it, and it bounced off his shoulder and was incomplete. Those were his two incompletions. Not a great day by Lance. Not a horrible day by Lance. He has stacked three decent days in a row. I, I would say the first day I was at camp, I gave him a B. Today, I would give him a B. Yesterday was an easy A. So that's where I would see Lance. The reason I've got this coming up here, though, is because there's a weird narrative that's happening. When Trey Lance misses these easy throws, right? It's made a big deal. But one thing I have not seen from Trey Lance, and this is something that I saw from him in college as well, and it was one of the main reasons I wanted Trey Lance to be drafted by the 49ers over a guy like Justin Fields. Trey Lance has a propensity to protect the ball. He does not put the ball in harm's way almost ever. It's actually, it's incredible, right? Like he threw new, no interceptions in college for a full season. and. You see this when he plays. He protects the football for the most part. When you watch him in practice, none of the throws that I have seen over these three days have been near picks. He may miss, and it may be like, oh man, that's one that you, you got to make, or that was a bad miss, but he's not putting the ball in harm's way. And somehow, missing these throws is made a bigger deal than if a Sam Darnold, and we'll get to him in a minute, or Brock Purdy throw the ball directly in a linebacker's chest and they drop it. Somehow that's okay. And, and we don't count near picks and we just gloss over that. But if Trey Lance misses a short pass, big deal. There is, that has to be talked about because Trey Lance is protecting the ball day in and day out. He's not putting the ball in harm's way over the three days that I've been there. And again, this is not new to him. This is something we saw from him in college as well. So I, I just find that very, very interesting the way that some people talk about these short misses, but gloss over near picks from other players. So just an observation that I've noticed. And it's interesting, man, because again, maybe this is definitely on uh, the media and maybe even I should do a better job. I feel like I do a good job of illustrating it, but maybe I should as well, because Comments like this, right, where how talented are you if you can't hit a wide open flat? People gloss over the fact when Trey Lance does hit these throws. And I understand that they're easy throws, but they're throws that he needs to work on, which is why specifically in this camp, I made an emphasis in my own videos to point out every single, well, I'm pointing out every single throw and I'm detailing how Trey Lance goes through these throws. Because in my opinion, one of Trey Lance's best plays of the day was a check down. What did he do? This one was to Braden Willis. There was pressure coming from the right side. Lance steps up, and then the offensive line holds up well. Lance goes one, two, three, and then hits Braden Willis in the flat for a check down. And that's, this is a good play. The defenders were drawn away from Willis for a few seconds. Willis had enough room where he caught the ball at four yards or five yards and was probably going to be able to turn up field for at least three more yards. And this is just like, it's a play that we're just going to gloss over because it's a play that quarterbacks should make. And so the part, the point that I'm making is it's important to understand Lance will miss some of these throws. He has to develop there and it isn't 
it isn't a strength necessarily of his. But it's also important to note that when he is accomplishing this, you don't just let it slide and only point out when he's not accomplishing this. I think that that's the issue as well with these type of throws, and that's something that you've got to point out. Does he have to hit those wide open flat throws? Absolutely. But is he doing that sometimes and people aren't paying attention and only focusing on the negative? Yes. So we know throughout training camp he has one interception, I think. Lance, yeah. Yeah. You, I think there's ooh. one interception. I think it was on day two. I don't two. know if he has one. but he, Or maybe no, it was no. a near I don't know interception. If he has two. Yeah, yeah. He's got near ones. Um, he, he definitely had a near one on day one. Um, mm-hmm. Or not day one. Uh, day, day two, I think to i am not sure i will check my notes and probably tweet okay. it out after this on the interceptions okay. that i've counted the the point is is that th- there's not a lot like Correct. there might be one and then one near one but sam Darnold today for example had two near ones brock purdy if you're counting them had two near ones brock purdy yesterday did have one and had a near one so it's like these things are happening and they're just glossed over. I, I don't know. It's I, I just, here's the thing. I feel like the, the days that I've been here, I've been very fair to the point today to where I said Brock Purdy had the best day. People got mad at me because I'm supposed to be a Lance guy, but I'm just telling you how I saw it. Yeah. I just think that we should talk about these things the way they should really be talked about. It's th- This is how I, I liken it. Okay, you have a player that makes multiple Super Bowls and they lose. You talk about that player and and hold them extra accountable for losing in the Super Bowl. But if they had just been bounced in the first round a couple times in their career, no big deal. You don't even right. you know what I mean? It's like once you get there, you better win it. Otherwise you're not clutch. But that's worse somehow than losing in the first round repeatedly. We don't hold that player as ca- accountable as much. Sa- same thing happens with basketball talk all the time. So that's the way that I see this situation. It's like, yeah, sure, he's missed a couple dump-offs. For sure, he needs to complete those passes. But somehow that's worse than not protecting the football. That's where I have the issue. So anyways, that's my little rant. I'm off of it, but I had to start that comment because it's uh, definitely something that I meant to talk about, and it went hand-in-hand with what I was going to talk about. Real quick, though, on Lance, the one thing I do want to say is I will I, I do believe like we talk about consistency and I don't think Lance has been inconsistent but one thing that's been clear to me he's had some of the best day, throws on every single day and some mm-hmm. of the worst throws on every single day um you know it's except not for like, yesterday he didn't have any bad except for yesterday, yesterday. yes yes yeah. yesterday he was that's why he earned an A grade and mm-hmm. I'm a little lower on the quarterbacks than you today like I said I think I'll have Purdy probably slide in as a B uh, Lance is a B minus today. Um, you know, they're fairly even, but still a little lower there. Um, but Lance to me today, right? Four of six, like you pointed out, some really nice throws um, and some some balls where he obviously pushed it down the field as well. But he, he does have some misses and that's the things he's got to work on. It's just important to, you know, hold the double standard. Don't just say it for one side. You got to say it for both sides. And you're hearing from our reports here. I'm not saying either quarterback had an A day. 
And when I tweet out that Brock Purdy had the best day as a quarterback because of his accuracy and pointing out that he threw out through to multiple sides of the field, I'm not saying that I believe Brock Purdy was the had the best day of camp itself. I honestly believe that's gone to Trey Lance with his performance yesterday. And so that's important to know. Just because when we're isolating one specific day and pointing out somebody who had a good day on that specific day doesn't mean that it's, you know, you can translate it to other days and compare it unless you read the full context, hear what we have to say, read our reports, things like that. And that's why we're here trying to give you guys the most informative, um, you know, talk about training camp. Yeah, and I so I had Purdy at a B plus, you had him at a B, I had Lancet at a B, and you had him at a B minus. Fair. We we're both like one half grade off essentially, right? So yeah. it's not like there was major separation or anything like that. But I, I like I said, I've got to call it how I see it. And today I thought Purdy had the better day. It's just my opinion. And it sounds like you agree. Okay. Let's talk about Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has been the most consistent. So <laughs> He's been the most consistent quarterback throughout these practices. Not today. And again, if this day had come from Lance, I I don't know if we'd ever hear the end of it. I don't know. People can tell me again. I'm not looking at reports, so I'm not sure. I'll catch up later. I've got to imagine Sam Darnold's not taking the heat that he should be taking for today's practice. If we're just going to keep it even, we're going to keep it consistent. Sam Donald was awful today. He could, I don't know if he could have been worse. I'm not joking. He was one of five. Okay. He had, he took a sack and had two near picks. Here's what the worst part of these interceptions were though. He had three throws during the red zone period. Three of his five throws came in the red zone period. Two of those, he didn't complete any of them. Two of them were near picks for very different reasons. He had Cameron Latu. We want to talk about short misses, right? It, again, two days ago when Trey Lance missed Debo Samuel on a, a rollout out pattern, Darnold also missed George Kittle, I believe it was that day, on an out pattern on a throw he should have made. And it was reported that Lance missed the layup throw and Darnold didn't have any throws of note that he should have made. That was inaccurate, in my opinion. Today, something very similar. We talk about Trey Lance's misses. Well, Darnold had an out pattern from Latu, about five yards, where Darnold put it way outside. Latu got fingertips on it, and because he got fingertips on it, it changed the trajectory of the ball, and it tipped it in the air and was almost picked. Some I get it. Some tip picks almost happen, then they're not on quarterbacks. This one was absolutely on him. If the ball was placed where it needed to be, it would have been a, a reception. But because it was so far outside and the receiver tried to make the play, ball tips in the air, near interception. The very next throw, he has a receiver over the middle, about one yard deep in the end zone, and he plugs it directly in the linebacker's chest. Linebacker drops it, should have been picked off. One of five with a sack, two near picks in the red zone, 0 for 3 in the red zone. Absolutely awful day. And the worst day, we talked about Lance yesterday having the best day of all the quarterbacks. Well, the three days I've been here, by far the worst day of all the quarterbacks today from Sam Darnold. He gets an F. And I'll say this, because I've been there at every practice but the one closed to the fans. 
this is the worst day I've seen overall, and that includes Brock Purdy's two of seven day that I recorded as a C minus. This is probably going to get an F. I'm 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 just being straight up. This is probably going to get an F from me, and it's unfortunate. And look, here's what I'll say about Sam Darnold. He had a good start. He had a good start. He he had a nice pass to Debo Samuel, hit him probably 10 to 15 yards over the middle of the field in between Marcelino McCrary Ball and Demetrius playing at fouls. His second throw, it didn't seem like, you know, uh, I mean, it was an incompletion. It was short, but he was hit because his offensive lineman was pushed back by a defensive lineman as he threw, hit as he threw, ball falls a little short, goes one for two. Then his next set of reps um, comes after a while, and he got sacked. So um, he he didn't throw the ball for a good portion of time, but then got his opportunity in the red zone, got two opportunities that is in the red zone, and really flunked it in the red zone. Um, Jesse pointed out the incompletion to Cam Latu. It was a near interception. I, I thought this play, like this was one where I felt Darnold didn't process that well. This play was clear from the get-go, right as he got out of that uh, uh, after, after the fake handoff. You got to dump this to Latu. This is a staple play in the 49ers offense. Darnold looked to the back of the end zone first before looking to the front. By the time he got back to Latu, this the defense had already converged, and it, it was a PBU. The second play was he's just trying to fit a he, – he was this was kind of a style throw. He threw this ball sidearm from the pocket instead of moving out, tried to fit it in, and D. Winters was ahead of the receiver, and he had he got two hands on the ball. Um, the pass was a little low, so, you know, you can call it as you wish, but you got two hands on the football. So we're going to call it a near interception that was dropped. And then his third play was the one that was just in a really tight window, tried to hit, uh, Tyrion Davis price in the end zone. And it was just a really tight window. Davis price had to lay out, could not make the catch because of the close coverage. Um, and so three, you know, incompletions in tight windows again. I'll say this, it is really hard to see sometimes in camp the entirety of the route tree. Is somebody open on the play? What's the best read to go to and things like that? But of the reads that we saw today from Sam Darnold, they were all not necessarily great reads nor great throws on the plays that he was uh, that he made. A little bit of poor decision-making here from Sam Darnold on the day. That is going to earn him the worst grade possible. When Brock Purdy had that two of seven day, I had I, I had some reasoning behind giving him a C minus. I thought that some throws, you know, required more context and some of the plays were all right. And I thought he did some things well. Today, it's hard for me to really find too much to like about Sam Donald's day. The only thing that I will say um, is I thought the quarterback rotation was a little interesting. I know you pointed it out. Um at the at the very beginning, it went Purdy, Lance, Allen, Purdy. Darnold, Darnold got, he didn't throw the football in his first set because he got a run, he got sacked, and then he got pulled. Then it became Purdy, uh, and then I believe it was Purdy, Darnold Purdy again. And Darnold, Darnold again, and that was his first good stretch of plays. But then Darnold sat from that reps. It was Darnold, Allen, Purdy, Lance, Purdy, Lance, Allen, Purdy, Darnold. So Darnold sat for a good portion of plays and then didn't throw on that on that set of plays because he got sacked um, there. And so after that, it was red zone and Darnold didn't play well. So it was a little it was a little tough for Sam Darnold, but still with the throws there, with the opportunity there in the red zone, had to make the plays, hence why my grade is really low. 
Yeah, and Trey Lance had a period also where he sat about 15 minutes as well. But the difference was is that his first throw was the missed to Kittle. He sat for about 15 minutes, came in, and that's when he completed the best throw of the day out of all the right. quarterbacks, which was to Ayuk. And then he had a dump-off pass to TDP and a sack in his next next three uh, next three attempts on after sitting for 15 minutes. So that's the way that the day went for those guys. And then Allen, I know that you don't like to talk about Allen because who cares, right? But Allen was... Uh, he he was decent but today. He was actually three. three of three. Yeah. Uh, he also took two sacks. So yeah. I gave I actually gave him a B as well. I gave him the same grade I gave Lance because three of three. I thought he actually had uh, one pretty dang good throw today, and then he all but he took the two sacks. You know what I mean? So overall, not a lot of work from him, but I would give him a B off the limited work that he was given. I refuse to grade Brandon Allen. So that's <laughs> totally. Totally fine. All right. Let me get to these super chats real quick. Lobs says, Grant said Purdy was the worst quarterback on the field. Lobs also says, respect you, though, for speaking the truth. Well, I appreciate that. Blake says, first team D getting sacks and making plays should be expected. I think Purdy QB1 is given unless he is not uh, not getting it done in the game. Just the reality. Yeah, I agree with your assessment, but also there are sacks that were clearly on Purdy as well. Like not every sack is because somebody makes a great play. Sometimes you hold the ball too long and, or you should have stepped up or whatever. And so today I had it of, of his four sacks two I would put all completely on him. The other two, the defensive line, I thought collapsed very quickly. It's hard to tell because you don't get to go back and look at it. He might've had a dump off that he missed. I don't know, but I do know the D line was in there quickly. So I'm not going to put it all on him. Frank Tom Ocean says, Jesse, how tall are you? Grant said he didn't realize how tall you were, or he may be, uh, may just be short. No, Grant's almost six foot one, and I'm just over six foot one. I don't know. Some people think I'm like six three, six four. I think they don't know how tall they are because I know how tall I am. Like for a fact, I'm six, just four. I'm just under six two. And some people are like, Oh, are you like six three, six four? I'm like, no, I'm not. Six three or six four. So six two is a little generous two. too. Like if we be I'm honest. a little I'm I'm yeah, six one and change. That's how tall I am. <laughs> we can go in the fives. I think I prefer that. Oh yeah, I'm five ten now. Perfect. That's yeah. good. All right. Emiliano says Grant said Purdy was by far the worst quarterback. How is that? I don't know, man. Talk to him. I'm not Grant's keeper. I, I love I love that uh Grant and I like like we're friends, right? And and we stream together and he's giving me a place to stay, but I haven't, I don't, th and this is what's funny to me is that, that Grant somehow supposedly like controls all of our minds. Like, Oh, every time you get on stream, you can't ever disagree with Grant or, uh, you know, I, I bet you, you guys are talking about everything before you post your videos. No, we don't have time. Grant literally watches what he watches. He walks off the field. He gives his assessment. I go a completely different direction, get a shuttle to the parking lot give my assessment. Grant yeah. then goes and does interviews. I come home. I set up the stream and then I'm live and Grant's dri probably driving on his way home at that time. So we don't talk. I don't know what his opinion none is of fully us, on like, this you guys, you guys, none of us talk. Like, for example, I got home, fired off a couple of tweets. I was doing something completely unrelated and opened my notebook for the first time about a minute before this stream. Um, I didn't talk to Jesse either. Like, 
people people think everybody is staging things everybody is you know coming into these and uh we we're we're, we're you know telepathic we we know exactly what the other's going to say we're absolutely going to agree hell us two are together we stood by each other for three hours today and we didn't even come up on the same grades for quarterbacks right we everybody sees things differently everybody looks yep. at a couple of different things catches different details it's important to know one person's opinion changes to other opinions. The only thing that we can give you really is the context behind what we saw to help you guys understand why we believe what we believe. Yeah. And the, you know, the only thing that you're going to hear from us or that we talk about really is like, Hey, did you see who caught that ball? Or, Hey, did you see who was in coverage? Like, that's the only thing we we're charting our own stuff where that that's it. And then we're asking each other, Hey, Hey, I, I thought it was so-and-so in coverage. Is is that who you saw? That's it. But as far as what grade we're coming up with or how we actually saw it, we don't talk about it until we're here. So we just try to keep it as real as possible. And you're gonna have discrepancies with that. People see things different. It's just listen, a lot of a lot of y'all saw Jimmy G as is a franchise quarterback. I didn't see that. I don't know how you guys saw that. You don't know how I didn't see it. And so that's a great. Great way to look at it, right? We all watched Jimmy Garoppolo play. Some people thought Jimmy Garoppolo was really good. Some people didn't. So that's the same thing that's happening. But even worse, because there's no instant replay. We get it one time. It happens very quickly. And that is it. We don't get a second look at it. So we're making a judgment based off of what we're seeing one time in a play that happens very, very quickly. William Bonnet says, Trey misses flats. Brock underthrows go routes. Which would you rather have? You can work on flats and screens. Can Brock Purdy learn to hit the deep shot? I don't know. That's personal opinion. Some people like the quarterbacks that, that keep you on schedule. And some people like the gunslingers. So that's personal opinion. You know what I would prefer to have. I would prefer to have Trey Lance. William also comes back and says, Purdy is Jimmy G in disguise. Missed out by her style. I don't quite know about that one. Uh, he's definitely more nimble and more mobile than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I did make note of that in yesterday's practice. He's very quick footed, but you know, I did see some things in college and and now we're starting to see some things creep up possibly in practice where I thought his decision-making where I talked about for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Lance's decision making and how I thought it was A, and I see that when I, when I watch him play, thought that way in college, and I see it today. Brock Purdy's a little bit different where Brock Purdy definitely had some boneheaded plays in college. And I was like, that was my biggest concern is can he protect the football with regularity or is he going to have the what the F moment too much? You see that also show up in these practices. So we'll see if that's uh, him working back or if that's who he is. I don't know. Time will tell. Cast JJ says, why not support both quarterbacks as 49er fans? Cast, I agree with you. Here's the thing, though. I, I think that... I think if you're really into this thing, you should choose a quarterback. And here's what I mean by that. 
You should choose who you prefer to start. Have an opinion. Stand on that opinion and go with that opinion. However, once the gameplay starts, you absolutely should root for both quarterbacks. If you are a fan of the team, you need to root for whoever is on the field. I talked about this yesterday. That is the one thing. Your only obligation as a fan is to root for the product on the field when it's being played. How you talk about the team before that game is played, how you talk about that team and players after that game is played is completely up to you. But while that game is being played, you should root for whoever's on the field. That is your one obligation. Outside of that, I do. I think people should, quote unquote, pick sides. I'm not saying that means you have to hate the other player. By no means. I like Brock Purdy. I've said it a million times. But I prefer Trey Lance. Mike drops with Monsta says, did Trey have a rep with CMC? Had an over under 0.5. Uh, if you took the under, you are the big winner. This is winner, like winner. as easy as like picking Victor Vembanyama to go like number one. It's <laughs> under every single day. Oh, <laughs> except for CMC did have one rep, I, I remember, with the twos today. The first time I've ever uh, I've seen it. He had the one run with Sam. with Sam. I mean, it was a run with Sam. Yeah. 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 So maybe maybe not as as you know uh, definitive, but uh, still. <laughs> in the red zone period, that was the only positive play that came in the red zone when Sam was in there. Let me put it that way. Uh, winner of camp today. It just depends on how you're looking at it. From a quarterback standpoint, I gave the slight edge to Brock Purdy, and Trey Lance would have been number two. And then, as far as players to go, I mean. Would you say that Mason, TDP, and Taco Charlton were like the guys? Yeah, yeah, I would say um, we we talked about it at the beginning about you know the standouts. Those are normally my winners of the day. Mason, TDP, Taco Charlton, those three uh, fit in there. Um, I don't think necessarily you know if you're if you're comparing quarterbacks, you can put Brock Purdy there. I don't necessarily know if I'm gonna put a a quarterback on my standouts list. Probably not today. But a name that we didn't mention that I do want to give some love before we end today. One that I did have written down as one of my standouts is um, Braden Willis. We, we had some, we, you know, we needed some action out of that tight end room. And I thought I got a couple, you know, Braden Willis had a couple of catches today, nothing necessarily too special. It's a couple of flat catches, a couple of one-on-one reps. It's one thing, sometimes he does struggle to separate. That's something that I did notice at times in one-on-ones, but his hands look pretty solid today. Again, in minimal reps that I've seen, but he might be a guy who, you know, um, could be utilized in a variety of ways. I've seen him once uh, lined up in the backfield and then flexed out to, uh, you know, the slot or the the tight end kind of role uh, in the slot. And so he can be flexed out to a couple of different roles. I'm not necessarily saying he's a winner, but he's a guy who caught my eye a little bit today. Yeah, absolutely. Jay Garza says, I agree that protecting the football in practice is overlooked. Jesse, thanks for your honesty and fair thoughts. Great charting and analysis to Rohan. Yeah, Rohan, listen, Rohan's been doing this for longer than me. So he is very, very good at it. And I trust him because one thing I do know about Rohan is he truly does not care who the starting quarterback is. And that's why I like having him on here because with me, I know that people know where I stand and who I would prefer. And I think a lot of people assume that that would get in the way of my actual thoughts. I hope after today and coming out and praising Purdy and saying that he had the best practice, that maybe your mind would change on that. But that's, you know, I, I you either believe it or you don't. But with Rohan here, 
that helps kind of back up like, hey, this is credible what is being reported. So I appreciate Rohan being here for sure. Uh, Double B Studio says, I want to see Allen with the ones and Purdy with the threes. I don't. I don't want to see Allen throw a football. It's not incredible. Randall says, hey, I'm a member now for the next six months. I appreciate you, man. He says, love the show. Thanks for all you do, Jesse. Thank you for supporting. Thank you, everybody, for supporting. I appreciate all of you. Double B Studio says, who would replace Bosa uh, of the rushers that you've seen? I mean... Nobody in the world is replacing yeah. Bosa. Yeah, there's no replacement to Bosa. But who would fill in for him? I mean, opposite of, of Bosa, Farrell hasn't impressed. All, you know, he had a good play yesterday that turned into the most boneheaded play, but the actual play of getting to the quarterback was good. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a couple guys. Who who was it yesterday that stood out? Uh you're saying of a defensive end? Yeah, defensive end. Who was it that we were talking about yesterday? Let's look. So I know, I think Kinlaw is a guy who I had yesterday as a standout. Um, other no, but we also had... Uh, Alex Barrett. Oh, Alex Barrett. Yeah, 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 Barrett. Yeah, yeah, Barrett stood out yesterday. Taco Charlton today. So I don't know, maybe one of those guys. It looks like, but who's been starting has been Farrell. Farrell's been the starter. So maybe he's the favorite, but Everyone's flashed, I haven't seen... Not really stand out right now right right exactly official bna music says according to eric mangina to mangini today on fs1 john lynch is the only one who's in trace nope it's his decision to keep lance and kyle doesn't like trey based on silver's article national media is detached (laughs) yes oh No, I highly doubt that's the case. That is not at all the read I have on the situation. Uh, Mangini's still on TV? I didn't know that. Uh, Kevin F. says, How was Lance's scrambling? Any off-schedule plays? He's uh, He can move. Trey Lance, to me, hasn't lost any of his speed. We saw it a couple days ago when, when he took off on the run. I know that there was some earlier in camp. To me, Trey Lance is still... Very quick-footed, and when he moves, he can move still. I do not see any loss in speed from him whatsoever. He he can separate if he needs to. I, I have seen that. But he's the, he's also, and this has always been my frustration with Kyle Shanahan and the way that he played him, Trey Lance is a true quarterback, man. He really is. Even in warm-ups, a lot of the other quarterbacks will kind of run around and, and throw some balls to warm up. He stays stationary. He stays like he's in the pocket at all times. He really does prefer to play the quarterback position from the pocket. And if he has to move, he will do so as he approaches the line of scrimmage. He will then look downfield and try to make a throw before he runs. That is who Trey Lance is. Trey Lance is a quarterback first who can scramble, but would prefer to play the quarterback position as a thrower. He is not a guy who is a running quarterback. And that always frustrated frustrated me the way that he was used. Gizmo Maltese says, can Drake Jackson play a Micah Parsons type role? Athletically, I mean, we saw him go stride for stride, but I, I yeah. that would not, no, that would not be the preference at all. No, he's he's not Micah Parsons. But uh, athletically, I think he, he may be able to do some of those things, possibly a poor man, Micah Parsons, potentially. What do you think? Personally, I just don't think that 
the schematics of the defense are similar to the ones in Dallas. The ones in mm-hmm. Dallas are kind of tuned to Parsons and allows him to be a free roamer, um, you know, in coverage or, you know, line up in unique ways as opposed to just being a true edge rusher. Personally, well, Jackson's bigger than Parsons, but personally, while he does have the athleticism to do so, I think he's best utilized in a firm role after such, uh, you know, he, he, he played with a lot of fluidity at USC with his weight. He, he was moving up and down and up and down, at playing a, diff- a couple of different roles. I think it's be- he's best suited to purely play as a pass rusher, maybe, though, in certain packages as a decoy or, you know, a- as a surprise throw him out there um, in coverage. Although, you know, that's a tough task for Drake Jackson to do consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And then Niner says, you think Lance takes over sooner rather than later. I think Purdy is going to turn the ball over more like he did in college. We talked about this yesterday. I do think it would, it would take a lot for Trey, Trey Lance to come in. If Purdy is benched now, if Purdy gets injured or what have you, I, I I think if the 49ers keep Trey Lance, first of all, let me say this. If the 49ers don't keep Trey Lance, it's not because he's not the second best quarterback on this roster. Like, I, want, I want to clear that up. It's not because he doesn't deserve to make the roster. It would probably be, be because they can get something for him. They don't foresee him ever being the starter over Purdy or he requests a trade and they oblige him. That's the way that I see this situation based off of what I've seen from these quarterbacks. However, if he's on the roster and they decide not to trade him for any reason, then I would say that at some point we will see Trey Lance for whatever reason. I I don't want to predict injury. I don't want to put any bad juju out there for Purdy. I've said that if Purdy starts, the best thing for the 49ers and 49er fans is that he plays well because they do need the number one seed. But at some point, I do believe this year, if Trey Lance is on the roster, he will see the field for one reason or another. So. Why that reason is and how long it will take, I'm not quite sure. Okay, let's move on to goodness sakes. All right. Random observations. I think this is fun because <laughs> we both had some random observations today. And when you brought up your first random observation as they were warming up, I was like, you know what? Well, let's just talk about it. Because this is, these are things that should be brought up on the show. These are little things that we are seeing that may not ever be thought about. But as fans, we notice, and I think other fans are probably catching this as well. And if you were there, it would be something that you would want pointed out to you. So I'll let you go first, because I thought you had a really, really good observation on this particular individual. Why don't you go ahead and lay this one out for me? Yeah, so I, I kind of take a different approach in warm-ups and things like that. My mind wanders a lot. I'm trying to see different, different things and mm-hmm. piece things together from different days. And one thing that I've noticed, something that's really stood out, is defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes and his coaching approach versus Kyle Shanahan. On Steve Wilkes, he is extremely hands-on. He does every – he's at the forefront of defensive drills. He is coaching players, taking them to the side, coaching them up. And something that I've seen now that I've recorded two days in a row, he took both of the top cornerbacks, Charvarius Ward and Diamond Lenore, aside, and he's working on drills. He's working on hand techniques. He's working on footwork. He's working on a lot of different things and coaching them up personally. That got me thinking. 
Steve Wilkes has already said he he plans to coach from the booth this year because he can see things better from up top rather than on the sidelines. But he's such an integral piece working in like working hands on and being up front with the defensive uh, defensive players. I wonder, is there any wandering in Steve Wilkes's mind to change his mind to kind of play uh, play it by ear or end up coaching on the sidelines given how much he helps defensive players in you know during practice and being as hands-on as he is or does he still stay reserved up in the box and if so how does that change the dynamic of the players a big big question there what are your thoughts kind of on that on that topic no i do think that it is very very interesting because he is so hands-on and this was something also not only that, but he's you can tell he's got some fire in there. Maybe not you may not see him if he was on the sidelines go as crazy as like a Sala or uh D'Amico Ryan's even, but you can tell that he's a fiery coach. And so the fact that he is this hands-on in between plays and in between reps does lend an interesting dynamic of where would he be better suited. As somebody that wants to coach players in the moment and finds that important, you can tell why then would you choose to be in the booth? Now, obviously, being in the booth, you're going to see the field better. So maybe just having that all 22 view is he covets that over the actual coaching in the moment and figures that after the game, he can have those conversations or after, you know, during practices or film review or whatever. But I do find that interesting because i think that he could be successful either way and i know that he said he would he's going to call the plays from the booth but man i really think he would be an asset on the sideline as well yeah i mean that's something that i think that they'll i, I hope that they you know take a second look at i'm not saying they should change their mind but at least think about especially as wilkes get in, gets integrated with this team maybe the relationship that he builds with these players is so um, you know, so intact that he doesn't necessarily have to be right there for them to be able to communicate as well as they can. But he, he he's a guy who teaches by example. He takes players through everything. He's hands-on, something I notice. Yeah, 100%. Speaking of hands-on, Chris Kosirik. Oh, oh, my yeah. gosh. This guy, it, we know he's a madman, but let me paint the scene for you. First of all, they get into 11 on 11s. It's almost like a schoolyard fight, honestly, is the way that I see it. Because here's what happens. You have 11 on 11s, and the offense is lined up directly behind the quarterback. Like, you know, 15 yards behind, but they're all lined up on the field watching the play happen. Arms crossed. Shanahan's right there pacing back and forth, calling his plays. They're huddling up. And then everybody on offense is right there on the field. And then on the sideline, the left sideline, you've got all the defensive players. So it's like an L shape around the offense and defense. And so it's it reminds me of like everybody circles around and watches the schoolyard fight. That's kind of like the, the feeling you get out there. It's a pretty cool atmosphere. But here comes Chris Kosirik sweating through both sides of his shirt. He's wearing a hat that has been, you know, got sweat stains on it, brown sweat stains on it. And he's spitting his sunflower seeds. And after each play, he runs out on the field, gets in the defensive line's face, yelling at him, pumping him up, coaching him. I love that dude. Seriously, the fact that the 49ers were able to keep him, and I really thought, Rohan, 
that there was a good chance he was going to go to the Texans as a defensive coordinator. Not because he wants to be a defensive coordinator, because he's made it clear that he prefers not to ever do that position. He loves the defensive line so much. But because D'Amico Ryans, I thought, could put him in an interesting situation where he could get paid like a defensive coordinator and have the role, but really just be a really hands-on defensive line coach like he's always been, and D'Amico Ryans would be the true defensive coordinator. So I am happy that Chris Kosarek was able to stick around because Chris Kosarek is an absolute gem. He's a hell of a coach, and you see it play out, practice in and practice out, why he is so revered as likely the best defensive line coach in the NFL. You see why all the time. I had to point that out. I thought it was fantastic. And I mean, I agree. And this is something that really caught my eye because I, when I when I came to camp last year without any experience, mm-hmm. I didn't really know how these individual sessions take place. It's not only in individual drills, it's in team drills, it's everywhere. He is the definition of hands-on. He will come at you in the middle, like right after a play is over, while the offense is getting ready to set up. One day, one play today, he went right to Taco Charlton and taught him something and then ran off the field. He's just living in his own world. He he does his own thing. And he you understand why players respect him. You understand why he's such a good coach. His his approach, I don't necessarily know if it's unique, but it's extremely effective. And that's the importance of Chris Kosarek. And that's something that, you know, we see day in and day out. And it's really, he's super passionate about the defensive line. That's something that's really, really out there. And he's really true to his craft. Good observation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else you had? That was the one observation that I, that I had, honestly, was that one. But I, I had to give him a shout out because I thought it was absolutely incredible. Do you want to ask you one question before we head out? Yeah. Stock down. Any players that you had on your mind today? I I mean Sam Darnold. That's that's the only I I can't get over how bad he played. How because here's the thing and and this is what I always thought about Sam is obviously I've said that I think he's a bad decision maker and turnover prone regardless of who's around him. And I thought, you know, there was a possibility that with this talent, he could play his best football. I still believe that, by the way. But because he is a veteran that maybe he could fool you in practice, well, if we were being fooled, the mask has been revealed. It is still Sam Darnold. (laughs) Sam Darnold is who he is, all right? This fact that we think that after 56 games, we're going to put a team and a coach around him and he's going to all of a sudden be a good decision maker is not going to happen. Can he win games with this team? Would I feel confident with him as the quarterback for a couple game stretch? Absolutely. That does not all of a sudden make him a different player than who he is and who he has always been. He is not a better decision maker than Trey Lance. He doesn't have a better arm than Trey Lance. He is not as physically gifted is Trey Lance. He is simply more experienced than Trey Lance. There should not be a competition between these two. There never should have been a competition between these two. And Trey Lance is and will be the better quarterback than Sam Donald. No question in my mind. You heard it there. I mean, he was definitely on my list. I'll give you one obvious one and then one interesting one. Ambry Thomas for... Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many days now that I've had him on my 
but I can't down. put them on stock down because the stock has it ever been up this? I mean, for the last That's two seasons, fair. has it been up? Right. Like, okay. But I, I think it's good. Talk about it. Ambry Thomas. I agree with this. Man, it's clear the 49ers, whenever he's on the field, they target him. Um, quarterback, like his own teammates know it. They target him. Even when he plays good coverage, they target him. He had a really good coverage ball today. IU just caught it, and it just adds to, you know, it, it really sucks as a cornerback when you're consistently, consistently getting beaten. Got beaten by Debo Samuel. Got beaten by um, Brandon Ayuk. And it's like a, a, a tailor to like, it's, it's just like ironic, right? Because you want Ambry Thomas to get the absolute perfect chance to prove himself, but then you're also thrusting him and giving him that opportunity. You're thrusting him with the first team offense where he clearly can't keep up with the top receivers on the team. Unfortunate, but one that I, I want to give, uh, uh, put my eye on again. And one that I'm, you know, this one is iffy. I'm not sure if I'll put him on stock down yet, but Spencer Burford, Struggled a little bit again in one-on-ones and gave up a sack to Javon Hargrave in 11s. Again, tough task for Spencer Burford. It's not like it's an easy it's an easy uh, ask from Spencer Burford overall. But oh, he, he got beaten by Alex Barrett in the one rep that I charted. Got beaten by Javon Hargrave on a sack. Just looking for a little consistency from Spencer Burford on the offensive line. And I think it's just, you know, you're getting acclimated to pads. Offensive line, I think, will continue to improve. It was better than the other day, even though it was more sacks. I thought it was a little better than the other day, especially in one-on-ones. We'll look to continue to improve, but he's a guy who I thought needs a little more consistency. Yeah, great call out. It was also nice to see Trent Williams on the field today for the first time in the three days I've been there. So that was really good to see. He participated. He was a part of the offensive line with the ones today. Double B Studio says, what part of the season will Frank Gore have enough and say, put me in, coach? <laughs> that would be hilarious and not surprising. Miguel says, the same people that like Mac Jones, Jimmy G, and, and check down King Brock Purdy are the same people that like stale bread with no jelly. That's, That's nobody likes sad, stale man. bread. That's nobody likes sad. stale bread with the I call a lie. No. <laughs> Justin says, story no one is talking about. Our punters uh, back. Yes, he is back. Also, quick thought. Moody showed off his leg today. He definitely has a hell of a leg on him. Not that we, I mean, we knew that, but it, it was on full display today. He had a 55-yarder that cleared the uprights and hit the back fence. Probably could have been good from 63-ish. So, yeah. he's got a strong leg. Jay Mella says, Jesse, thank you for coming all the way from the East Coast to cover the 49ers. It's greatly appreciated. You're going to have to do this every year. I think so too. I'm really enjoying my time here. Grant's I really am. Grant's going to hate you in his house. I was going to say, I don't know, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay with Grant every year, but uh, at least for this year, it was really fun. Uh, he's he's not going to like me after this. I'm sure of it. Niner Matt says, Purdy is, is two days on, two days off until the sixth, right? I don't, Remember hearing oh, a date? Yeah, it maybe they six unless days, they talk six days after Kyle talked about the two days on off, um, is what he said, uh, or one week. And so I guess it's the sixth, but that doesn't matter because training camp ends the seventh. And so it'll essentially be two days on off um the entire way because Purdy will play on the seventh. Absolutely. Gizmo Maltese says, I'm surprised we're not getting a quarterback competition. I mean, I get it. I, I do. I've talked about it. I understand why you would start Brock, but Brock is not necessarily the same player, especially coming off of an injury. So I would prefer that they actually 
put some pressure on Brock and made him, you know, kind of play with the twos and the the ones and rotate and do all these other things and prove. But I do understand that game play and game reps do override. But that's you know the 49ers see it how they see it, and so we just gotta we just gotta call it consistently and uh, how we see it, and that's that's clear. So Double B Studio says, "What's better, a number one defense and top." 15 offense or a number one offense and top 15 defense let bosa walk use the money sign a better o-line i don't know if i agree on that portion of letting bosa walk but i would 100 take the number one offense and 15 defense kansas city's won two super City. bowls this way yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course i'm gonna take that so yes they absolutely us. they beat us and we had the first one right right exactly exactly so number one offense give me the quarterback give me the offensive line and we'll put together a defense that, you know, usually a a defense with a number one offense, you want a defense that may not be the best, but they force a lot of turnovers, an opportunistic right. defense, right? That's what usually what uh, pairs with the really good offense. That's what you have in Kansas City as well. It's worked out really well. All right. Tomorrow, I will be back with Grant. We're going to figure out the 49ers after dark situation. I don't know how we're going to do it, what we're going to do to make that happen, but we'll be back at some point tomorrow. Rohan, thank you so much for joining me. Maybe we'll do it again Thursday. Maybe we won't. We'll see if we're tired of each other by then. Until tomorrow. I think we get a good break tomorrow. But yeah. That's true. We do get a break from each other. Maybe we'll enjoy each other back after the break. That might be a thing. All right, y'all. Peace. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.